Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our Fantasy Files series with a look at Can't Guard Mike, Michael Thomas. I know uh, he doesn't have as many fans today as he probably did this time last year. You know, you freaking frontrunners out there. I show a little respect for one of the best receivers to play in the league over the past five years. People, Michael Thomas played seven games last year. And he, you know, had no regular season touchdowns. He scored in the postseason. Didn't have a good year. I get that. Because he was hurt from week one throughout the rest of the season. And then he punched Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He was the third guy to do that last year okay so he had injuries he punched Johnson Gardner Gardner Johnson these are things that happened to wide receivers in the year 2021 like or 2020 you guys know what I'm saying but before that my goodness at least 1100 yards every single year and I mean from 2016 to 2019 92 125 NFL record 149 receptions you know just the outcry kind of around him is absurd I get it to an extent I know he is not a great Twitter presence, I think, in his own right. Uh, He's one of the guys where, look, I am vehemently against ever tagging players. If you have a question for him, you want to say, hey, I think you're awesome, like, that's fine. But, uh, you know, I hate when I'm, like, doing a fancy tweet and, you know, someone just tags a player and they're like, uh, yeah, look, look at this guy hating on you. It's fancy football, people. Don't, you know, bother these guys with this game. Every single NFL player, like, it's just, to me, like, that achievement just making it to the NFL is so incredible. Like, I would never want to insult these guys as a real-life person. It's my job to try to rank them as good or bad in fantasy football. I need to pay bills, but we cannot be dicks about it. Uh, Michael Thomas, though, you can tell that he, like, searches his name often, or at least he used to. Like, you know, if anyone tweeted about Michael Thomas, good chance you would get, you know, a like in there, or even him coming at you. Man, I remember one time I just tweeted that, I think it was like the longest streak of games with at least like five catches and 50 yards or something. And Michael Thomas randomly pops up in my mentions and just says false because he wasn't number one on that. The issue was I was including playoffs. He wasn't semantics, whatever. But this is the type of stuff that he kind of just throws himself into. Like he had the whole issue with Devontae Parker kind of coming at him on some random like Bleacher Report post. So he's kind of like Kevin Durant with his Twitter presence. Like just chill, man. Let your fans defend you. Like, you don't need to pick every single battle for yourself. There's also the issue with him not exactly shining his brightest in recent playoff games. You know, people have such a short memory these days. doesn't matter that he started off his career with 131 yards against the Panthers, 85 yards and a pair of tutties against the Vikings, uh, had 171 yards and a touchdown in his third playoff game. Since then, it hasn't been great. He had 36-yard dud against the Rams. I don't know, 70 yards against the Vikings on seven catches wasn't seen as that great. He scored against the Bears in that game and then obviously got shut out shut down by Carlton Davis and uh you know the last one they had let's just realize everyone like that version of Drew Brees the last time we saw it was absolutely brutal like the whole Tom Brady noodle arm thing that entire storyline throughout the season was absurd for Drew Brees it was very real I mean look at the guys that He's been catching passes from elderly version of Drew Brees, who was still so efficient, so accurate and great. But, you know, let's be honest. He just didn't have the same arm strength at 42 years old as he did, you know, even at 38, 39. Who does other than Tom Brady, apparently TB12 method for the win per usual. But he had him. He had Teddy Bridgewater, who we just saw throw 15 touchdowns the entire season with a loaded uh, skill position room in Carolina and Taysom Hill, who 
we all pretty much hate in fantasy football because he's a tight end that Sean Payton insists on playing at quarterback and he basically sucks out the fantasy value of everybody around him. You know, the leech of fantasy football, Taysom Hill, Vulture doesn't even do him justice these days. So despite all of this, we got this idea that Michael Thomas is slant boy. The main criticism thrown his way, slant boy. I don't get it. We're chastising him for being too dominant on one route. Like, hey, you know, why don't we hate on Steph Curry for shooting too many threes? You know, is Le- LeBron just like passing? I guess people actually do try to make that ridiculous, uh, you know, conversation. But it's just wild to me that Michael Thomas is so good at one route and people just assume that that's one, all he can do. And two, like, that's a bad thing. Like, stop it, defense. To me, I'm a big UFC MMA fan. And a lot of times you'll have, you know, for example, there's a fighter named Kevin Hall and super exciting. He got some high-profile fights his last two matchups. He got taken down like every single round by Derek Brunson and then Marvin Vittori. And a lot of people were complaining about just the kind of style of that fight. And even just beyond Kevin Holland, we see grapplers take their easiest mean to victory, take the fight to the ground against someone that's overmatched. The Saints throw slants to Michael Thomas because it's their easiest mean to victory. It's their easiest way to get success with them. Like why, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And Michael Thomas... My goodness, people, we, with the cool data we have behind the scenes with PFF, I can look at you know the per-route data from him throughout his career and see how he stacked up per-route against other wide receivers. So yards per-route run on slants, he's at 6.44. That is, as you could have guessed, number one out of 145 qualified wide receivers. But this is my issue. It's He's slant boy. Slant boy number one, but he's pretty damn good in everything else too. On comebacks and hitches, he's number two out of 126 qualified guys. On ends, posts, and crossing routes, number six out of 150 qualified receivers. Now, those are all, you know, kind of shorter underneath type uh, routes or we're going over the middle. We see him drop a little bit on some of the stuff that he gets a lot of critique for. On outs and corner routes, he's 41st out of 130. And on goes, wheels, fades, general deep routes, he comes in at 24th out of 98 qualified players. So for me, it's like, okay, the slant route, obviously he has a higher, you know, volume there, but he's been good on everything else. We just haven't consistently seen him asked to do, uh, you know, all those other things so Michael Thomas hey he runs more slants than anyone but he's also better at it than anyone so why wouldn't you keep running him so again he's put up massive numbers at every single turn we know why 2020 was rough the injuries the quarterback situation and even having Emmanuel Sanders there was like another receiver that garnered more target share than he's used to seeing out of his, you know, sidekick. So for me, it's a situation where now we're looking at Jameis under center, hopefully, fingers crossed, please don't be Taysom Hill. And I'm saying Jameis and pretty confident with that because back in our uh, 32 and 32 days uh, podcast series on this podcast where I was talking to one beat writer from every single team uh, before free agency, Nick Underhill, who is, in my opinion, the best Saints beat writer out there is confident and said he's confident that Jameis will be the week one starter. So if it is Jameis under center, I mean, we're getting someone that regularly ranks atop the league in um, average target depth, and that's going to be new for for uh, uh, Thomas to be dealing with. He just hasn't had a quarterback with anything resembling a strong arm ever. So I don't want to say that he can't do more than win on slants when 
All the pro route data tells us otherwise. And now we finally have the chance to see him with a guy that, hey, we'll see. Jury is still out on Jameis being a great real-life quarterback, but nobody can doubt his ability to enable high-end fancy wide receivers. I mean, Mike Evans, uh, you know, while while with Jameis was the PPR wide receiver 22, wide receiver 3, wide receiver 17, wide receiver 9, and then wide receiver 16. We saw Chris Goblin rip off a wide receiver 2 finish in 2019. Like, since 2015, the only quarterbacks to feed a single wide receiver at least 170 targets in a season, Matt Ryan to Julio, of course, Big Ben to AB, Ryan Fitzpatrick to Brandon Marshall, Drew Brees to Michael Thomas, and Jameis Winston to Mike Evans. So we also had Hopkins twice and Demaryius Thomas get there with a collection of guys. Just realize, like, Jameis is one of those quarterbacks crazy enough to just feed his number one as many targets as they kind of warrant, their talent warrants, and to not really worry about, you know, silly things like turning the ball over and stuff like that. So, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek there for those that can't catch my humor all the time. So I get it. James's style of play, not necessarily conducive to wins and losses, but has been perfectly fine for the fantasy business. And you just look at this offense. I mentioned it before, like they didn't replace Emmanuel Sanders. And because of that, we have Traquan Smith, uh, Marquez Calloway, and Deontay Harris as their like wide receivers two through four. I know Alvin Kamara is essentially their number two pass game option, but even then, like we saw Taysom Hill usually scramble instead of throwing it to Kamara last year. And Jameis, I'm He'll throw to Kamara more than he threw to running backs in Tampa Bay. He didn't have a freaking Kamara in Tampa Bay. But again, regularly having one of those high average target deaths, I have my doubts on just how much Sean Payton can kind of take that out of him. So for me, I mean, Michael Thomas is just staring at an easy, easy projection of at least 150 targets. And, you know, I know I'm throwing some somewhat arbitrary numbers out there, but I think we can all agree 150 targets for Thomas is in play. And you look at the history of this number over the past 10 years. I mean, 65 wide receivers have hit 150 targets. Their average finish has been as the PPR wide receiver six. 91% of them finished as a top 12 PPR wide receiver. The only ones that didn't were that weren't even top 24. 2012 Larry Fitz, 2016 DeAndre Hopkins, and 2016 Allen Robinson. Look, I like Jameis more than most. I think most could at least agree that he's not going to be approaching, you know, John Skelton, Kevin Kolb, Ryan Lindley, Brock Osweiler, levels of bad QB play. And guess what? Like Michael Thomas, he's one of the few wide receiver ones we've seen have new quarterbacks under center and it not really impact him. Specifically, we've had 10 games over the past two seasons where Breeze was either hurt or played fewer than 10 snaps. And that's it was just the one game against the Rams when he broke his uh, you know, broke his finger or whatever in 2019. So in those 10 games, Michael Thomas has ripped off uh, finishes as the PPR wide receiver 12, wide receiver 22, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 2. Wide receiver 15, wide receiver 5, wide receiver 13, wide receiver 16, wide receiver 13. And the only bad one, the only one outside of the top 22 receivers was a wide receiver 45 performance in that messed up Kendall Hinton game against the Broncos when the Saints won 31-3, threw the ball 16 times, and I believe it was even snowing out. Even then... He had four catches for 50 yards. So Thomas, he's overcome like potentially rough situations with flying colors over the past two years. Unfortunately, he was too banged up last year to put together any sort of extended great run. And having Taysom freaking Hill under center wasn't great. Still didn't stop Thomas from putting together again three, you know, top 16 finishes with the artist uh, known as Taysom there. 
and plays a breeze. So Thomas, man, he's really made more out of low-key bad situations than I think a lot of people give him credit for. I get it. You know, having even a late career version of Breeze force feeding you targets is pretty great for any wide receivers to get. You know, I understand why people after the great 2019 season didn't want to say, you know, he's better than Julio Jones. I don't I don't think Michael Thomas is a top five real life receiver, but He's in the conversation for top 10, and in fantasy people, he's definitely in the top five in terms of projected volume, which is, at the end of the day, what we really want to focus on. So PFF Lily stat for Michael Thomas is what he's done when he's actually been asked to go downfield. Specifically, he's caught 33 of 36 catchable targets thrown at least 20 yards downfield since entering the league in 2016. That's the fourth highest mark among 64 qualified receivers. 92% catch rate when they put it in his vicinity, 20 plus plus yards downfield. So make your slant boy jokes, you know, let your friends make them do whatever. Just realize this guy should be on anyone's short list of the top ranked wide receivers. And he is my wide receiver six going into this year, which is a little bit ahead of the public consensus seeing an ADP as the wide receiver nine over at underdog fantasy. So for me, I have a wide receiver six, not in tier one to me, tier one, top five wide receivers in some order, Devonte Adams, AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and Deandre Hopkins. You know, Thomas, there's enough concern with me having to worry about Taysom Hill, maybe getting the job to, you know, keep him out of that top tier. But if it's Jameis, if we get that confirmed, you know, Sean Payton comes out and tells us that in August, I think I could see him uh, bumping into that top tier. So, Look, he is the wide receiver three in PPR points per game since entering the league in 2016. We've seen him overcome the Taysom Hill situation far better than Alvin Kamara was able to do. And that's why he's in my tier alongside DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen as, you know, overall wide receiver one outcome, still a possibility uh, type players. So, you know, Traquan Smith, I think is a value where he's going a little bit later in drafts, but I would just be a little bit worried about what this, you know, 2021 version of the Saints offense can do in terms of a nation more than just Thomas and Kamara. You know, we saw Drew freaking Breeze struggle to really do that over the past few years. I would say Adam Troutman's actually the guy I would be trying to get you know, before uh, Tr- uh, Traquan Smith. Adam Troutman, people, he is, I know this is Michael Thomas' uh, podcast, but Adam Troutman might end up being my highest exposed saint. I think he already deserves to be in the tight end one conversation. And last year, like, he was PFF's number one graded run blocker. And I'm not saying he's the best run blocking tight end in the league, but man, he's clearly not an issue. And they felt good enough about it to ship, or to let Jared Cook take his talents to L- LA. And some of the stuff Troutman was doing as a route runner, like, he impressed out of Dayton. That's why the Saints made him, I believe, their top pick in the 2020 draft. And like, you know, I got video evidence, people, of him running smooth pivot routes, getting open. And, you know, we saw Jameis certainly put up a lot of numbers between Cam Brayton and O.J. Howard. The problem was always that he was splitting the targets pretty equally between those guys. So Adam Troutman, low-key, you know, I'd be shocked if he has more targets than Kamara. But while a lot of people went on Traquan Smith, man, it would not be surprising at all to me to see Troutman become the number three pass game option in this wide open Saints offense. So thank you everybody for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Podcast as always and I encourage you to check out the rest of our podcast network which covers everything NFL, college, and fantasy football. Recap the NFL Draft with Mike Renner and Austin Gales two for one drafts podcast or get all the 2021 betting content you need with the PFF forecast. And people if you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money you need to check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog's got everything including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game. We draft a team like you normally do but that's it. There's no in season roster 
management, Underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. So go to Underdog Fantasy and deposit $10 using promo code PFF and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's promo code PFF. Draft now at Underdog Fantasy. Hope everyone has a fantastic Memorial Day weekend. We will continue having these fantasy files rolling all the way throughout the summer. And I'll have a corresponding article about it in my 100 articles in 100 days series over at pff.com. So thank you as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. 